Before we get started, I wanted to quickly hop on and say we are discussing varying topics, methods, and opinions as it pertains to infertility. Whatever method or assistance you use, we are here to support and pass no judgment. Back to the show. The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. Last week, I had the opportunity to interview Kasia Okafor from the UK, and she talked about infertility counseling. Today, I have the privilege to interview Sarah Clark, who also has a podcast, and her podcast title is Get Pregnant Naturally. And I want to thank Sarah for taking the time and joining us today. And before we get started, uh, Sarah, if you can just give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, any you know, personal professional highlights that you would like to share before we get into the interview questions. Yeah, for sure. So, yep, Sarah Clark. I support couples using functional lab testing, making diet and lifestyle changes to improve the chances of conception. And um, yeah, you can find me at, at Fab Fertile, and I'm the host of Get Pregnant Naturally, like you were saying. Awesome. So tell us what brought you to the place to want to focus on infertility and infertility awareness. Yeah, I find most people that do this, there's usually that they usually have their own personal story. Right. Probably the same thing that you've 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 noticed. But yeah, so I had my own um, journey with infertility. So in my early 20s, I had irregular cycles. My cycles are only coming a couple times a year. I had this weird fungal rash on my chest. I started getting acne when I didn't have acne in my teens. I started getting acne in my early 20s and then also had some yeast infections. So at that point, because of the irregular cycles and the acne, so the first line of defense, I was put on the pill. And really a Band-Aid approach didn't get to the, the root cause of why that was happening. But I went on the pill and you know it falsely, falsely regulated my, my, my cycles. But I had this life plan of getting married at 25 and having my kids at 28. So I got married at 25 and then at 28 wanted to come off the pill. So I came off the pill and my periods were still irregular. And then at that point I decided to go in and get testing. So I went to see my OBGYN and I was told I had premature ovarian failure, otherwise known as premature ovarian insufficiency now. Um, and told me only uh, way of ever having children was what would be through donor eggs and POF is the loss of function of the ovaries before the age of, um, 40. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's sort of obviously a a devastating diagnosis. Yes. I I took that diagnosis and didn't even get a second opinion. So that's interesting. (laughs) Like what I did, but the, the OBGYN, remember her grabbing up on her, her shelf and reaching for the, the IVF brochure and said for me to go off to the fertility clinic. And that's what I did. And I didn't consider any of those other health issues that were going on. Didn't Mm -hmm. get a second opinion. And I didn't even take any time to grieve. So I'm like a very action-oriented person. So I'm like, oh, here's a, here's a thing that I do. So off I went. And we were lucky enough. Um, so we just selected a donor. And lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter, 
and she's 18. So this is back in the day when you said donor eggs, people are like, I don't even know what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And, but now with embryo donation, embryo adoption, because of all the, all the, all the IVF procedures going on, I had someone on my podcast and talking about, she actually did, she the, the natural siblings to her two daughters are, are 13 and those little embryos were waiting there for 13 years for her first daughter and then 15 years for her second. So wow, seeing what science can do, but uh, yeah. So, so for us, we were lucky enough on the first press transfer to have our daughter. And then, um, then, then I had two embryos left over. wanted to have the kids close together. So after a year, I was like super focused to go back in and I'm very stressed about it. My husband's like, you seem, you know, a little bit overwrought here. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going in and those didn't work. Okay. So the, yeah. So then we went on another list for a separate donor and then we were lucky enough on the first fresh transport to have our son. So he's, he's 15. So they're three years apart. Wow. So it was, yeah. And yes. Then, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And then, so that's where, so after I had my daughter, my health began to suffer or I began to de- decline, I should say. And really, so I had nine, I remember having nine colds in one year, every cold went to a science infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold. Not a great idea. It completely destroyed my, my gut flora. Um, I started getting chronic bladder infections, so they basically was peeing blood. I became allergic to all the different antibiotics I was taking taking for the science infections, for the bladder infections. The yeast infections became chronic. I didn't know what to do about those. And then, um, and then I had vertigo. I had toenail infections. I had dandruff. I had uh, seasonal allergies. Um, so my, my immune system, my my immune system was just not doing well. But I was still in corporate at the time. I was still functioning, but <laughs> just catching everything that went, you know, went, that, that came my way. And so I had, again, my, my, my plan, I wanted to bring um, life coaching into the corporate environment because I was in HR. Um, so I did a life coaching course, had my own personal wake-up call. And then that's when I um, decided I wanted to do health and wellness coaching. And then so I took a health coaching course. And that's when I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me, I'm sensitive to dairy and gluten and then i found out later it was corn as well wow yeah so i took those out of my diet and lo and lo and behold the bladder infection started to go away the yeast infection started to go away the science infections and then um a couple years after that did some gut testing some stool testing found out i had streptococcus and h pylori and fungal infections and then uh so addressed those and then really addressed the lifestyle factors of the too busy go 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 thing mm-hmm. and you know being able to pull pull back but so I didn't discover any of this until I was 40. I was fully in menopause. So if people are still cycling naturally, there's things we can do using the, the, the functional approach, using lab testing and then diet and lifestyle changes to you know, eventually reverse, uh, reverse infertility. Right. Definitely. Wow. So you have had a long journey um, mm-hmm. to get to where you are now. Um, and I love the fact that you know, you're taking the knowledge that you've built over the years and you're using it to help other people. Um, and it's so funny. I'm also in HR and I think that, um, you know, you taking the approach for wellness, not only uh, physical wellness, but also mental wellness. That's something that we've talked about on this podcast, that it's very, very important to, you know, do those self checks um, to make sure that you're good mentally and physically. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm just tired because I'm always working. But like you stated, it can be something totally different. It could be what you're eating. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. We don't know. Like it sort of basically to look at your body, physically, mentally, and spiritually. It's a whole, the, the, the functional approach addresses all of that. 
Yes, definitely. Um, I've asked uh, several individuals that have been on in the past couple of weeks um, this question because I, I think it's important to, number one, discuss it, and two, um, I'm always interested to hear the opinion of others. So why do you feel that infertility is such a taboo topic? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, I think that's changing. You know, there's I've, on Instagram, but people are still doing anonymous profiles, and more people are are speaking out about this. Mm-hmm. Being vocal, like celebrities are coming forward. People are being, I think, in general, we're more open about some of these things that were hidden. I have I've written a book on my story. I I remember people tell asking me, you know, are you going to tell your children that they're from donor eggs? I'm like, it's none of it's not my history. It's theirs. So if you know when they wanted to know about it. I guess early as four or five, I was very open with my kids about it. So I personally don't believe in secrets because I think they're, they'll come out eventually. I know from my, my mom my, was adopted and she didn't tell me she was adopted until she was 12. And I was like, I remember just being shocked. And it, mm-hmm. it wasn't even me that was, it was she, it was, there was, she had a lot of shame yes. the, ado- the adoption process. And then there still is, there's, there's, um, like there is the stigma is lifting, but there's a lot of isolation. Mm-hmm. Many, many people, I, I, I'm a person that when I'm processing my emotions, I like talking about it. So I will, I have a close group of girlfriends and my husband who, you know, he loves listening. <laughs> maybe, maybe not all the time, but yeah. So he's, so to have, to figure out how you process because you can't, there's many people that don't even tell a soul. Right. And then they're triggered by like by all these by baby showers by pregnancy announcements but they haven't educated the people around them of how they want people to handle them and people if you have not gone through this you don't understand how heartbreaking how especially it seems to i i work with a lot of type a you know busy professional people and they have achieved everything they've all they've got everything you know accomplished and now this they're putting everything into it and it's not working so there's a lot of um like loss of control and me and my, my, my planning ways. I see that coming up over and over again for people, the impatience, which is something, you know, again, I had to deal with as well. So the impatience, the control, the you know, wanting it to do your way. So, um, yeah, I think that like the stigma around it is starting to lift, but that only, that will only happen as we, you know, that have this start sharing our stories about it and, you know, sometimes people that are going through that, they, they hear the stories and they find it comforting. Other people don't like seeing the stories. They, they don't find it comforting. But mm-hmm. um, it's to, to do what feels right for you. But I think spending hours and hours on Dr. Google and the internet um, and, and going, I, I see a lot of people with the comparison thing, like that, that deep, that going down the comparison where she's got this over here and she's having this happy life and I'm stuck over here, like placing joy on hold and you know, my life feels stuck while the comparison thing can be very slippery slope. So if you find yourself doing that to like blocking accounts, unfollow people, don't, you know, don't expose yourself to that stuff. You set up some boundaries. Yeah. And even I think um, I had my husband on one of the episodes and talking about, you know, uh, baby showers and and Mm. announcements and how it was a a difficult time for us, um, you know, as we were getting those invitations and we were like knee deep, you know, trying to conceive. Um, and I think as you stated, the 
fact that we're utilizing our voice, it gives a voice to others. And for me, that's really the reason why I started the podcast is because I wanted to, you know, be a voice for someone who's going through this and may feel that shame, may feel that isolation. Um, but this gives them an opportunity to, you know, feel like, okay, I'm not alone. There is a community of individuals who are going through this just as I am. Yeah, absolutely. Because typically in your friend groups, although it is, it's one in six in Canada, one in eight in the States. So it, it is becoming more common, but yeah. typically in the friend groups, you know, there's people aren't, you don't typically know someone. So it, it is very isolating. Yes. Um, so you spoke about this a little bit earlier, um, but can you explain what premature ovarian failure is? And um, you talked about it a little bit and how it played into the role of your own personal story. Yeah, so that's so basically, it's the most devastating diagnosis. Uh, well, one of the ones, anything to do with infertility, obviously, is devastating. But th- this one is basically being told, "Sorry, the only option you have are donor eggs. You know, your 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 ovaries have shut down, and you're no longer, you know, they're they're no, they're no longer functioning. Now they they said failure. Now they're saying insufficiency is sort of what it's being being called now. But um, yeah, it it really it. Uh, the thing is, though, is interesting because I do coach a lot of people that have this diagnosis, yes. and we are we are able to help people get pregnant naturally. Not all of them. If you're if you're no longer cycling, that becomes you know you may already be in menopause. But we are able to help um, either get pregnant naturally, or we then help a number of people get pregnant with donor eggs. It's just because we you know put our hand up and say now we're ready for donor eggs, that's not a guaranteed thing either because you need to make sure your your body is able to receive the 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 the, the embryo, and if there's you know, if there's something going on in your body, there's underlying, underlying issues. So for me, it was food sensitivities. And again, I didn't discover any of this stuff till, till later. So um, food sensitivities, gut infection, um, hypothyroidism issues. Okay. So we see a lot of people with thyroid issues that's been missed. Um, and so, yeah, how that impacted my life. Like I, so it's interesting going back though, because as I say, we see people that come in with this diagnosis and a lot of them, there's a lot of grief. And even um, going through, like deciding to go to the donor eggs, many people can't wrap their head around even doing that. Um, now this is because I'm this like, I just saw a plan and I'm like, okay. And I didn't really, the only, and I'm not a cry, I'm not a big crier. I'm more like an angry person, which that's my own thing to deal with underneath. There's fear and all this stuff I'm trying to control. Um, but I, the only time I cried during that thing when I found the diagnosis was, when I said to my husband, I'm like, okay, I'd like to get a dog. And he's like, I don't want a dog. I don't want the commitment. And I'm like, I don't want a dog. And, you know, we eventually got a dog. But <laughs> so, um, but I actually thought, this is what I had thought in my mind, that I had it easier than other people because I was like, oh, I can just go to do the donor eggs and I don't need to go through years of injections and failed cycles. I'll just go over here and it'll work. So that's what I had put into my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, that's not the case at all. There's a lot of, you know, will I, and I did think of, you know, will I bond with my child? Obviously, um, I, I thought of that. Um, but, and, and also I'm super tall, I'm six foot. So with, with, the, with the donors, I wanted to have, you know, a somewhat, I didn't think I was going to get a six foot donor, but I wanted to have someone that was, you know, reasonably tall because my husband's, five, my husband's five, eight. So I was, it's kind of like a, a little running joke between two of us, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to have like that sort of physical characteristics of, but I was prepared for, I don't know, I just kind of prepared myself for, um, 
like if if like at one point you're not my mother kind of thing um with the kids because they're teenagers um and so one of the, like so some of them some of them have said that they were very like like my son was very like tell me about the other mother who's the other mother what is this mm -hmm. um and so we were um so he wanted to see the see the profiles and my daughter just wasn't really even interested she she doesn't even like i'm sure she thinks about it but my my, my son was he's like it's too difficult to tell people i come from a donor egg i've just been telling people i'm adopted and i'm from ohio i'm like what <laughs> So, cause it's, oh, I know. So we we've just been very open about this the whole the whole time of things. So it's just been a conversation we've always had. Yeah. And um, so yeah, it has. You know, I was able to to have both my kids, and so obviously very grateful for science. And now doing this career to see to help people like me that have been told a POF or um, unexplained or POI or low AMH any of these to help um, people get pregnant. So it's. Like I was in HR for 20 years. I never saw myself becoming a fertility coach. It wasn't on my life plan. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And and you got this diagnosis at, at 28 years of age. Yeah, 28. Yes. And and then yeah, and it's interesting looking back. You know, I was we we lived in a cedar house in the in the in the in the woods. It was regularly infestation. There was infestations of carpenter ants, so it was regularly sprayed with with toxins. You know, I have infertility, my brother had blood cancer, my dog died of cancer at 10 to be inhale all these fumes to that then at the tipping point, you know, I look back in the, in the mirror, I had dark circles under my eyes at 12, which can be an indicator of food sensitivity. Did I always have this food sensitivity? You know, so I have, have non-celiac um, gluten sensitivity. So for me, my body mounts an immune response to gluten. Was that always there? You know, I grew up in this health, this, this very healthy vegetarian later on vegan household um so healthy food but then i laughed and said no i'm eating campbell's soup out of a tin and i'm eating you know craft dinner and i don't want to eat any healthy stuff and then all my you know my, my health took a nosedive um like i'll never know because i didn't discover this till i was 40 but it, right. it, it really you know it really messed with my health there for years until i was able to figure this out myself Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so you, we've talked about this. Um, you know, now you have two beautiful children uh, through um, IVF. Can you explain what IVF is? Um, I don't believe on my episodes we've gone into IVF yet. Um, we've talked about it, but can you kind of give us a summary of what exactly takes place with IVF? Yeah. So bear in mind, like people I work with, it's, it's, we're helping them kind of getting pretty naturally. So I'm by no means any kind of expert on IVF. I've gone through it myself. Mm -hmm. It's, it is, you know, taking the egg and the sperm outside of the body and then implanting that the, the embryo, um, you know, into the, the uterus. So it's like, I can't really give you too much more technical stuff than that, but it's, um, to me, like I can give you my opinions on IVF as far as I feel it's like it was developed for, uh, women that have blocked tubes and now mm. it's being used for every last, you know, diagnosis, unexplained, you know, the end endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, all of these things. And I believe it's overprescribed. And I think many people would not say it's their first choice, but I think it's that they, they go to the OBGYN like me, they're referred to the reproductive, their reproductive endocrinologist, and then they're given either kind of medication or, you know, let's do an IUI or an IVF. And, um, 
it's it's like why is that when wait a minute we've missed all the different all the basic the basics of this of these different stressors so most people would say they don't have a food sensitivity and we find out they do most people would say they don't have a gut infection we find out they do most people would say they're not in you know that they haven't really looked at their environmental toxins although more people are looking at that now with their personal care their cleaning products their plastics their water I think the stress piece in the infertility community, we, we, we know that um, there is shame on that because you're, of course, you know, that whole slogan of why don't you just relax and then mm-hmm. everyone wants to slap the person. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but dealing with, is there past trauma mm-hmm. and then, then trauma? Like I see people after, so I'm seeing what happens after IVF with failed IUIs, failed IVS, failed cycles, trauma financial, you know, devastation, emotional devastation, you know, tearing apart relationships. I see all that, that people that it hasn't worked for. Um, So that emotional side of things. And then another stressor is, is there a pinched nerve or something out of alignment? So I think for, to me, IVF is there, but there's many things that the functional approach offers that, and is way less, obviously there's an investment, but way less expensive than very invasive um, medical treatment that's not, like why why you know why is infertility on the rise we we back in 1985 there was 44 fertility clinics and 2015 there's 440 like what's going on here like we're in the right. middle of like handmaid's tale like what what has happened that so many of us are 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 you know being becoming infertile like what what is happening with our environment and things we're exposed to and the toxins and IVF is there but there's things we can do to to clean up the host, which is us. Yes. And and I totally agree that there are definitely um, things that contribute to infertility. And oftentimes, you know, we're looking for the quick fix, but on your journey, like you were able, even though it wasn't, you know, quote unquote quick, but you were able to see, okay, this is the root cause of what, why my body is reacting this way. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes we're not ready to do that uh, deep dive as to what is the root cause of why this is happening. We want that quick fix, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, people, yeah. People, I have people like jumping through, 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 you know, through the zoom call on me saying, give me the supplements. And I'm like, <laughs> it, you know, supplements can be part of it, but is also like, are you looking at your basics? Have you right. looked at the diet? Have you really got, have you really, and a lot of people will say they're eating that clean diet, but have you really looked into the diet that's right for you? Right. Have you looked at your sleep? Most people come to me, there's something going on with their sleep. Either they're waking up they they can't fall asleep they're, 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 they, they sleep for eight, nine hours. They're still exhausted. Like sleep hygiene is key movement. A lot of, t- of the type A people are like doing vigorous exercise, overtraining, playing, you know, training for, for marathons. Um, not a good idea. You put stress on your body and equally is not a great idea to sit on the couch. And then also, um, like dealing, like dealing with that stress, that chronic stress. Are you working more than 50 hours a week? Are you, you know, is there trauma that we haven't, that hasn't been addressed? Are you like really looking at the um, chronic stress that you're, you're under those, those basics before you jump to, like, I've had people say, what's the, what's the pill I can have for this? Like, give me the supplement, like, give me something, but you can't out supplement a, a poor diet. You can't out supplement poor sleep, yes. toxic relationships, uh, you know, unhappy in your job, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Yeah. Very good. Yes. So um, again, you know, we discussed that. Um, you, you've gone through the process to find that you have a food intolerance. Um, what do you believe a woman struggling can do to adjust their diet to get pregnant naturally? 
Yeah, lots. So I think people, <laughs> yeah, I think people regularly get the diet piece wrong. And most mm. people come to me, they, so potentially they could be eating organic and they could be eating this, you know, nutrient dense diet. They may be doing and following a fertility diet, maybe from the Harvard nurses study, or maybe they've, maybe they've gone, they could have done paleo or keto or whole 30, some of those diets. Uh, many of them come and say they're doing gluten free, but when I dig into it, they're actually gluten light. Sometimes they say they've, they've, you know, they're, they're lactose intolerant, so they've taken out dairy, but then I, when I investigate further, they're still eating cheese. So there's, basically, if there's a food sensitivity coming in, um, if it's causing inflammation in your body, if it's causing a sensitivity in your body, your body's mounting an immune response, it causes inflammation, and your body wants to survive, not procreate. So we have both partners, and this is not, not just about women, so we, we coach couples, have okay. both partners do the elimination diet, and it's the gold standard to figure out if you have a food sensitivity. So um, you can check out on, on my podcast, Get Pregnant Naturally, uh, how and why to do the elimination diet, and it takes you through the exact steps. Basically, it's taking out the top allergens, which are dairy, gluten, soy, corn, peanuts, and eggs, and processed sugar. Take those out for 10 days, systematically reintroduce them, see exactly how food impacts your body, that people bring back in corn, it can flare up asthma, bring back in dairy, can make them feel phlegmy, bring back in gluten, digestive issues. So it's different for everyone. And then, um, and, and, then, and then dig into it. So then we have people do a food sensitivity test. We are doing, depending on where you are, we will do either a leap MRT, which looks at 200 foods and food chemicals, or there's, there's an IgG, which, which, which looks at the delayed response to food. So it's uh, looking at 98 foods, or we've just been doing the last six months or so, the Zoomer panel. So it's um, going into the, the proteins in wheat, soy, glute, uh, wheat, soy, corn, and um, yeah, those, and then also includes an IgG. So we do a we are we go into the weeds on on diet because mm -hmm. this is where a lot of people miss, and they could be taking supplements that have some of these top allergens in them. Yes. A lot of times, people the recommendations are to take wheatgrass, which if you are, and we see a lot of people that have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. If you're down in shots of wheatgrass. Even though they say that's gluten-free, many people that are sensitive to gluten, that is still causes it causes inflammation in the body. So we see a lot of the diet piece being being done incorrectly. And and also if you're you are very sensitive and your partner hasn't made those changes and he's out having a beer and then coming back or having some bread coming back and kissing you, even those crumbs on his lips, on your lips, can then cause inflammation in your body for weeks and months after. So wow. we see this very regularly. Wow, that is a lot of information, but yes, it, is. it shows, <laughs> but it shows um, you know, the importance of it. You know, I think sometimes we just kind of, like I said, do the top level things and not doing the deep dive. Mm -hmm. um, and what you have discussed is really the deep dive and oftentimes what is really necessary. So you do have a fertility coaching program. Um, can you go over what you offer um, in that program? Yeah, sure. So basically, so it's a six-month couples coaching program. It includes functional testing. So uh, as I said, we have both partners do the elimination diet, and then we tweak it with food sensitivity testing. And the testing, because we typically are doing are, are dealing with female factor infertility, so we're having um, the female partner then do the food sensitivity testing. We also do the Dutch test, which looks at your hormones using urine. It really gives us a good a good clue as to the pathways that the, the hormones are going down. So looking at your sex hormones your cortisol, which is your stress hormone, your melatonin, and really, you know, because we see a lot, a lot of times if you've been through failed cycles, um, you, the cortisol can be flatlined. So this, just, we see a lot of 
uh, people that are actually burnt out and overwhelmed and really need to work on their on their stress management. So this will really give you a good a good picture. Uh, the third test we do is the GI map test. So it's a stool test. The majority of people we work with, something comes back on the stool test, be it a parasite, a bacterial infection, a worm, a fungal infection, H. pylori being passed back and forth to uh, partners. So we definitely are seeing uh, something going on in the gut. And then if, you, if there's a gut infection, your, your body's under attack. So you need, to, mm. you need to deal with that. And then the last one we have is the hair tissue mineral analysis test. And that looks at, um, so a lot of times people, we see a lot of people that like me were placed on the pill and they weren't placed on the pill for prevention. It was because of heavy periods, light periods, um, acne, you know, um, something going on with their, with their, their, their period. And then they come off the pill and this is not for everybody, but the people that I'm seeing, um, they come off the pill and they've been on it for sometimes five, 10, 15 years. And, and then they're struggling to get pregnant. And with that, the pill, the, the birth, the hormonal birth control pill can impact your body's ability to absorb nutrients. Mm -hmm. You're eating that beautiful organic nutrient dense diet and your body's not absorbing them. And then, um, it also impacts your, it predisposes you to food sensitivities and gut infections. So those, those are the four tests the the food, the hormone, the stool and the hair. And then we develop a customized protocol, looking at your sleep, looking at your movement, addressing the trauma and the stress and um, it includes coaching and uh, nutrition support. So it's a very holistic program. It also includes a, a blood chem review. So we're looking at your blood chemistry using functional levels, which are for people with, so the reference ranges are for people with healthy, um, that are healthy as opposed to the conventional reference ranges are people with disease. So the health, the, the, the functional ranges just catch it before it goes to disease, especially important if you've been told everything is normal and you don't mm -hmm. know why it's not working and that really, we, in the functional side of things, we have not looked at the blood chemistry and went, oh, it's all great. Like you're trying to have a baby. There's something going on. There's, 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 it's basically all these tests and looking at your health history. It's a very detailed health history. Looking at your blood chemistry, it just forms, and we, we're not doctors. We're, we're educating and empowering you to then, make, you know, to, to be able to make these changes. But it is to be able to, it, each thing forms a story and then you can kind of go, oh, well, that's why. Oh, that's what's happening. And then, there's and then it's you so it's and it's not just myopically looking at that oh wait i have pof or poi or wh whatever it is and just looking at that diagnosis it's looking at the whole body yes very good um and part of the bio that i received for you um i saw this term and i wanted to see if you can kind of give us a description of what that is um and that are that is um functional medicine solutions so what are some functional medicine solutions to infertility yeah for sure that's that's our whole approach and really functional okay. medicine yeah functional medicine are so basically smart smart doctors or, or, or forward-thinking doctors are moving to this way of practicing medicine. It's no longer just writing a prescription or, or, or giving a pill for a disease or an illness. It's looking for the root cause. And so with that, it's a, very, it's, it's a root cause approach to, to, um, to medicine. And uh, yeah, it's, if you look up the Institute for Functional Medicine, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's many, many doctors doing this, but we're, we're, we're taking a, um, a, like a functional health coaching approach to this because okay. a lot of the doctors, you can do, so you can do some of these tests, but then the rubber hits the road for you to actually make these changes because it takes, it takes time. You've got to really look at all aspects of your life and really having someone hold you accountable so you can make these changes because most people that come to me 
are, they're in a panic. It doesn't really matter how old they are. Like they're past the point when they want to expand their family and they're, they're ready to do it now. So the functional approach is just, a, it's a very empowering approach. Like with IVF, it's, you're, you're waiting and you're, you're being, you know, it's kind of top down and you're being told. Um, whereas this approach is, is, you know, you know your body best. And really, I, I, I do like the, um, like the round table ap- approach where it does include your OBGYN, it does include your, your RE, but also includes your, your, your nutrition practitioner, your, your, your fertility coach, your masseuse, your chiro, your acupuncturist, but you're in the middle. And a lot of times we, we get that diagnosis, we go straight to the RE and we forget everybody. And we also forget ourselves and we may have a well-meaning doctor telling us it'll never work or this is what you have to do. But there's other options. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And you've, you've given us many of the other options. So I'm very much appreciative of that. Um, to close out, I have a final question. And that is, um, if you were able to give one um, word of advice to a woman that is struggling with infertility, who's on this journey of trying to conceive, what would it be? Yeah, it really is listen to your body. Mm-hmm. It's not just the infertility diagnosis. Listen to your body. You know, are you having headaches or acne or stiff joints or, you know, is your hair falling out or you have like, like what else is going on in your body? Really listen to your body because when you, when you ignore the signals, it'll start shouting at you in the form of disease. Mm-hmm. So healing opportunities have been missed. There's things you can do to really set up yourself for a healthy pregnancy. And then, you know, looking at this really then helps with your postpartum period with the health of your children. Yes. It's like generation to generation. It, there, there is never a negative, you know, nothing, nothing negative about looking at, looking at your health instead of rushing toward, you know, towards IVF or towards medication when, um, you know, we take, 12 to 18 months to plan our wedding and then month one we want to be pregnant why don't we switch that around Mm -hmm. you know and spend 12 to 18 months for our our body you don't need to spend that long but the longer you can spend the better to really um you know prepare your body for a baby but it is in a short period of time you can notice you know massive change just it's the, the, the thing about the functional approach if you think it won't work you're probably right like you need to come in with an open mind and be ready to look at all aspects of your life and um because if you don't look at this now, like for me, I didn't look at it when I was getting pregnant, but it can't, it, like I had my rude awakening when I'm backed up against the wall and had to take all these antibiotics and then I became allergic to all the antibiotics and I didn't know what to do um, and completely destroyed my gut health and predisposed myself to all these issues. So it eventually will come around and you don't want to, if you have a propensity for a autoimmune disease, you don't want to do that to yourself. So there's things you can do to prevent like we are, our genes are not our destiny. We can flip mm-hmm. the switch and do, do things to, you know, massively change our health and the health of our children. I love it. Yeah. Listen to your body. And I love the fact that you said your genes is not your destiny. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. So thank you once again for joining um, this episode of the infertility podcast. How can we connect with you? How can we, you know, get part of your coaching program? How can we buy your books? Let us know how we can connect with you, Sarah. Awesome. Yeah. So you can find me on get pregnant naturally. It's on iTunes or uh, Spotify. And you can also, there, I have a, a three-day fertility diet challenge. You can go to fertility diet freebie, F-R-E-E-B-I-E. And it's uh, fertility-friendly foods that you can start cooking with your partner right away. And you can check out my website, Fab, Fab Fertile, my, my book and cookbook and programs are all on there as well. 
Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, so thank you uh, again for joining us during this uh, episode of the Infertility Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.